0: Slow Burn Media and Bill Huffman present Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Kidnapped
1: while on the phone with her fiance, missing for 18 years now, detectives could be closer to breaking the case of Angela Hammond. KBC 9's Marcus Moore has new information in the Missouri mystery. Marcus? Laura, 20-year-old Angela Hammond stopped at a payphone in Clinton, Missouri, and you just talked about it. She was on the phone with her fiancé when she told him that a strange man was circling, in, circling the parking lot in a truck. It was the last time anyone heard from Hammond who police tonight fear may have been murdered. The hardest part is... Uh is the not knowing. It's been a long 18 years for Chris Hammond and his family, left with just memories in these photos of his daughter, Angela. She was just a uh, fun-loving girl that loved to... uh to be around people. But on the night of April 4th, 1991 in Clinton, Missouri, someone kidnapped Hammond from this phone booth. In fact, she was on the phone with her fiancé, Rob Schaefer, saying a suspicious truck was circling the parking lot. A little time later, Rob hears Angela scream on the telephone. Hammond's been missing ever since and feared dead. Now 18 years later... This would have been the the corner of the uh, old food barn parking lot. That's where that pair of phone booths would have sat. Right, on the corner. right there on the corner. Clinton police detective Paul Abbott says they have new momentum in the case. It's safe to say that uh, uh, we do have some, some evidence that, of, a, of a DNA nature. Detective Abbott's been working the case since 1995 and says through new technology... We've discovered that there is a possibility that we may have some physical evidence from the original crime scene that's still preserved and may have viable evidence that, that can lead us to a suspect in this case. A case that has gripped and for some even changed the feel of this small town. Prior to this, no one ever thought that anything like that could happen. And on the 18th anniversary of her disappearance and news of some possible new leads, it is was a bit of encouragement to Hannah's family. It's just a, a case where we want to get something resolved so that we can uh, uh, kind of get some peace kind of get past it. And from the very beginning, police investigating this case believe that Hammond's disappearance may have been connected to the murders of two other women. Tonight, police have been able to rule out that possibility. And tonight, they're urging anyone with information in this case to call the Clinton, Missouri Police Department. That number is at the bottom of your screen. Reporting live tonight, I'm Marcus Moore, KNBC 9 News.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Who Killed? I am your host, Bill Huffman. And this is a Slow Burn media podcast. On this week's episode, I want to take you back to April 4th, 1991, when 20-year-old Angela Hammond, who was a student at Central Missouri State University, makes the decision to cancel her plans with her boyfriend because she was exhausted and it was already pretty late. Earlier in the evening, Angela and her fiancé had been to her mom's house for a family barbecue. It was just after 9 p.m. when Angela and Rob headed back to Clinton because he had to babysit his younger brother, Justin Schaefer. The couple made plans to hook up later that night when his mother returned. Nothing about that evening seemed to predict what was yet to come. Hammond's best friend, Kyla Engman, told the Tulsa World she and Hammond had split up after cruising the town square at about 11.15 p.m., As one would do in 1991, Angela had to pull over and use a payphone to call her fiance to tell him she was calling it a night. As Angela and Rob spoke that late evening, it was nearly midnight after all, a man in a green pickup truck pulled up. He proceeded to get out of the truck with a flashlight and examine something underneath his truck. Now, according to reports, Rob asked Angela to see if the man needed to use the phone. Apparently, he didn't, and the next thing Rob heard was a terrifying scream. And as much as this sounds like a scene ripped from a B-horror movie, police seemed to believe the story. Rob told police he jumped in his car and drove as fast as he could to reach where Angela had called him from. As he approached the scene, he saw the green truck, and Angela was in the cab screaming Rob's name while struggling with the driver. Some reports state that Rob chased the truck for about a mile, and in the process, he blew out his truck's transmission. Now, he also eventually lost sight of Angela, as well as the truck. And unfortunately, this was the last time that Angela would ever be seen again. If the pain of losing a child, mysteriously, wasn't bad enough, then it was just an insult to injury that Angela was also Four months pregnant. Now, Rob told police the truck had a decal of a nature scene covering the back window, which was a popular thing in the 1990s, and especially in the area, as it was kind of a fishing mecca. And two witnesses had reported seeing a white male driving a similar truck near the telephone booth at the time Angela disappeared. They described him as wearing coveralls, and Just think Michael Myers, as far as coveralls go. And a dark-colored baseball hat. Now, he also had glasses and a beard with a mustache. So, this guy was looking a little shady. And I am pretty sure at this point, those of you guys listening, are pretty knowledgeable about true crime. And you must think that this story is just a little too fantastic to be believed. Well, you're not alone. So did the police. And so, as one is, Rob Schaefer became the number one suspect. But police say they did their due diligence on Schaefer as he passed a polygraph, and his story was corroborated by two people who came forward to say they saw the green truck near the payphone where Angela was using. But you're probably thinking people can beat a polygraph. But in this case, Rob was eventually cleared of any involvement in just less than a week. Now, being cleared by the police is one thing, but now the Internet is a part of our lives, and cases of old become new to your younger generation. And this is a good thing and a bad thing. On the good side of things, you get fresh eyes looking at a cold case. On the bad side, some web sleuths can muddle the case with some wild theories. But don't take that a shot against any online detectives, really. I just think that, you know, sometimes theories that are a little out there can get in the way of the actual investigation. But I'm always a supporter of fresh eyes, and I welcome new theories. But if you do go on any of the Web Sleuth sites, there seems to be a ton of people who question Rob's involvement. And I know statistics are just that, But what they tell us in this case, a pregnant woman is more likely to be murdered by the father of the unborn baby than a stranger. But I'm not going to pass judgment on Rob, because if his story is true, he has had to live the past 30 years without knowing what happened to his future wife and child. And that is a pain that I cannot fathom. But again, comments online raise interesting questions. But I do believe this is what comes with a case that is 30 years old. So the question becomes, who wanted to kill Angela Hammond? Was this a crime of opportunity, or was this something a little bit more? After the alarm was sounded, police conducted an extensive search for Angela, the abductor, as well as his truck. They checked hundreds of trucks matching the description, but none could be identified as what Rob had described. And about 250 volunteers had searched the woods and surrounding fields of Clinton and Henry County looking for any sign of Hammond or the man that she d- described to rob, but unfortunately they came across nothing. Now, Hammond's 18-year-old fiancé told the Tulsa World during the search, quote, I just want to find her. I haven't lost hope. Five months prior, in November of 1990, 19-year-old Angela met Rob Schaefer, who was what people would consider a high school star athlete. And he had, I guess, military dreams. And as only teenagers can, they quickly fell in love. Then, in January 1991, mind you, only two months after meeting, she made the shocking announcement that she was pregnant. Despite being only 18 years old, Rob was apparently excited about this life-changing event, and so much so that he actually proposed to Angela, and, of course, she accepted. And in the same Tulsa World article from April 8, 1991, friends and relatives had described Hammond as an outgoing, personable woman who, quote, loved to have fun. Now, even early on, after Rob was cleared, some of the investigators began to think Angela's abduction may have been connected to two other nearby kidnapping slash murders earlier in the year in Missouri. Now, the first one was a 42-year-old convenience store worker named Trudy Darby, who was robbed and kidnapped on January nineteenth, 1991. Her body was discovered two days later. She had been raped and shot twice in the head. The other involved, 30-year-old Cheryl Keeney, also a convenience store worker in Nevada, Missouri, who was kidnapped on February 27th. And just like Hammond, she has never been seen since. And according to unsolved.com, Detective Barron. Parsons thinks the three cases are linked. Quote If Angela is found, it might provide a link that relates to, for example, Trudy Darby, or if Cheryl's found, maybe that will be a connection to Trudy Darby and how she was murdered. As the search progressed, the town of Clinton raised eleven grand in reward money for any information about Angela's case. And Lane Beauchamp at the time, who was writing for the Kansas Star, Quote, a month ago today, Angela Hammond did what many young people in small towns do. She cruised the square, talked with friends, and generally hung out. But by 11.45 p.m., Hammond's routine evening turned tragic and left the town of 1,700 searching for answers to a mystery. But answers were nowhere to be found. All authorities had to go on was a description of a suspicious man and his truck given by Hammond to her fiancé and corroborated by a few passers-by that night. Months into the disappearance, dozens of investigators had followed nearly 500 leads. The Missouri Rural Crime Squad was made up of 25 police officers from 15 neighboring counties. And despite all the help, the case didn't really go anywhere. There wasn't much new information to work with, and this was months into the investigation. So solving the mystery of what happened to Hammond was actually put on the Clinton police force and two FBI agents. Despite the setbacks, the investigators said they had no intentions of giving up. Clinton police chief Bob Patterson said, We're staying right on it. We're still looking for the vehicle, the suspect, and for Angela. There's just been nothing really solid in this four-week time span. Her friends and family would, would never give up either. and. Her mother said, quote, I'm trying to prepare myself for the worst, yet trying to hope for the best. According to the Springfield News, October of 1991, quote, a television crew from Unsolved Mysteries was in the Henry County area recreating the April 1991 abduction of Angela Hammond. The film crew arrived on a Wednesday and stayed in Clinton through Saturday. Unsolved Mysteries will see clues to the disappearance of Hammond. So, if you guys are interested in this particular episode, the case first aired on the February fifth, 1992 show, and it focused primarily on Angela's abduction. Now, Angela's case has been covered a number of times in podcasts, blogs. Uh, It was also featured on the show Welcome to Murder Town. And again, this is one of those cases that is just so bizarre because of the circumstances that I think everybody is intrigued and interested in finding at least some answers to this total mystery. Now, at the time, authorities did suspect that a serial killer was on the loose in west-central Missouri. And that begs the question— who could this serial killer be? So let's first look at Jesse Rush, who was 15, and Marvin Cheney, 29. They were actually the ones convicted in the murder of Trudy Darby. And some investigators say that they are responsible for the disappearances of Cheryl Keeney as well as Angela Hammond. But unfortunately, they don't have any evidence that links the three cases. In 2016, unfortunately the Missouri Department of Corrections announced that 56-year-old Marvin Cheney had died of apparent natural causes at the Maximum Security Correctional Center in Mineral Point. Now, Jesse Rush and Marvin Cheney were both convicted of the first-degree murder and kidnapping of Trudy Darby on January 19, 1991. Now, again, Darby was abducted from the Max Creek K&D convenience store during the late night hours, and Max Creek is in Camden County. Now, court records indicate that Darby was shot twice in the head, as I mentioned before, and her body was later found near the little Nianuga River. Rush is currently incarcerated at the South Central Correctional Center in Licking. There are some similarities in these cases, but there also isn't any evidence definitively linking the three cases. The case Rush and Cheney were convicted of committing was the murder, as I said, of Trudy Darby. And what happened that night was at 10 p.m., she had called her son from the store, telling him about two suspicious men outside. And in a circumstance that I can only say is eerily similar to the Hammond case, is that When her son arrived 10 minutes later, she was gone. So the investigation into Darby's murder lasted three years, and it was a friend of Jesse Rush's who came forward to police and said that he had confessed to her. So in 1994, Rush and Cheney, who were half-brothers, were actually arrested and charged in the murder of Trudy. Now, the two had lived in the Max Creek area at the time of the murder, And in an awful coincidence, the two had actually been stopped for speeding near the store on the night of her abduction. Reports state Rush confessed to at least three different friends that he and Cheney were responsible for the Darby murder. According to Rush's multiple confessions, he and Cheney went to the store with the intention of robbing and abducting Trudy. After entering the store and taking the money from the cash register, they dragged her out and forced her into the trunk of their car, and then drove her to a nearby barn where she was raped and eventually shot. So, let's take a second and hear from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I've had to deal with my fair share of anxiety and depression in my life, and I'm happy to say that there is now an easy way to get help. Because if there is something that interferes with your happiness, or is holding you back from achieving your goals... BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. You can now connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's convenient because it needs to be in our hectic lives. So go get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp really is there for you. They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. And guess what? If you aren't happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time. There are even apps available for your computer or smartphone. So whether you're suffering from anxiety, depression, anger, stress, relationship issues, sleeping, trauma, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, or self-esteem, they literally have a licensed professional counselor for you. And of course, everything you share is confidential. The best part is... It's a truly affordable option. Who Killed listeners get 10% off their first month with the discount code WHO. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com WHO. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. Again, for 10% off, go to BetterHelp.com WHO. All right, we're back. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. So 30 years later, it's now 2020, and this case continues to be a total mystery. It is still open, and people continue to wonder if Hammond is alive or if a body will actually ever be found. Now, as for Schaefer, unfortunately, he is left to ponder... The horrors his fiancée must have faced after that terrifying scream. Now, police have reported an ongoing investigation of the Hammond abduction, but again, the case continues to remain unsolved, and there still is no body. And according to unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com, Rush mentioned dumping the bodies of two other women in remote locations. Unfortunately, those bodies Have never been found. So here we are. It's 2020 and about to be 2021, and we're left to speculate on what happened 30 years ago on that April night. And for the families involved in this case, I can't imagine an open wound like this will ever be closed unless a body is found or there is just some resolution. And where we really stand is there are kind of like three likely scenarios and one wild possibility is what I would say. And the first, Angela, was the victim of a domestic abuse. And Rob is lying about the dramatic story of her abduction. Again, all we really have to go on is what Rob told the police. Now there, again, is evidence that he is telling the truth since he passed a polygraph, as well as the fact that two people did eventually come forward and say they did see a green truck that Rob had described. Although Rob has maintained that he had nothing to do with her disappearance, and police do say that they believe that he had nothing to do with her abduction, but again, statistics, like I said before, are there for a reason and the numbers don't lie and unfortunately when a woman who is pregnant and is unfortunately murdered the most likely perpetrator is generally the father of the baby and again that is just a fact and again i'm not saying rob had anything to do with it it's just the fact that we are left with nothing we have nothing but a story And so that's the first possible scenario. Now, the second is that Angela was abducted by Jesse Rush and Marv Chaney. And again, they already killed Trudy Darby and possibly kidnapped Cheryl Keeney. So it isn't a question of whether or not they had it in them. I mean, police have tried to connect the cases, but nothing has brought these three abductions together. But I will say that the fact that Cheney and Rush were committing crimes in 1991 that are very similar to the disappearance of Hammond, I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that it could have most likely been one of them. And also the fact that the jailhouse confessions, I know those aren't really reliable, but Still, people like to brag, and if they're already in jail, what the hell do they have to lose? So, I would prefer that he just comes forward and says something. But, anyway, the third possible scenario is that this crime was just a crime of opportunity, and the abductor was actually just passing through town. And this theory could hold water, because it was late, and... Angela was not a very big girl. She was only 5 foot, I think she was 5 foot tall, and 120 pounds. And if you're using a payphone at night, near midnight, you're obviously going to be lit up. So I'm just picturing somebody driving by and seeing a petite young woman, and if this person had, mm, you know, let's just say uh i don't know <laughs> nefarious intentions it would definitely have been an opportunistic time to uh to attack so um that is a scary thought because again stranger abductions are the most unlikely of abductions but they're also the most likely abductions to lead to death as well as they're also very hard to solve because if he was just passing through, then who knows where Angela could be. And, you know, she was using a payphone because, as everybody knows, 1991 was not the technological mecca that we live in today. And cell phone use was extremely minimal, if available at all, in her area. And so... She was using a payphone. She was just doing what you did in that day and age. So here we are, with the most wild of scenarios, and that would be that Hammond is still alive. Now, for you people who do believe that she could be, there were unconfirmed sightings of Hammond in several states and in Canada after her disappearance. Again, these weren't confirmed, but... If you're in that camp, I won't argue. Because unless Jesse Rush confesses to the murder and can lead authorities to her body, you guys are kind of free to believe whatever you want. And again, that's the problem with cases that live on in infamy when there isn't any real information to go on. 1991, well, in April it will be 30 years and in the 30 years since then we've got the internet we've got CCTV everywhere we have um, digital trails that you can follow and I guarantee you this case would have been solved if this was something that would have occurred today but unfortunately it didn't and you know Angela was nothing but an innocent victim and i just feel like this case is just really sad especially with the fact that she was pregnant the fact that there are no answers the fact that there was so much attention given to her case at the time she was i mean being featured on unsolved mysteries at that time was huge i mean you're talking about national exposure to millions and millions of people so you're kind of left i don't know you're kind of left thinking if she was still alive somebody would have at least called in yet hope but um you know there is also the the fear that you know I didn't include this in my theories, but, you know, look what happened with the three girls in Cleveland, where they were held hostage, basically, for 10 years. And I'm not going to say that Angela's been held hostage for 30 years, because that would take a lot of the work, and a lot of people would probably know about it. So, again, I'm not going to entertain that idea, but... Like I said, there is no body, and according to the Doe Network, for those of you that are interested, if she was still alive, you know she was born on February ninth, nineteen seventy-one, and she was only twenty years old at the time of her disappearance. So that would put her at about fifty right now. And again, as I mentioned, she was only about five feet tall and just about one hundred and twenty pounds. And the Doe Network says she had light brown eyes, brown hair, and a scar on her upper lip. And the clothes that she was last seen wearing were a white t-shirt with black spots, black slacks, and tennis shoes. And again, she was also four months pregnant. And Angela actually preferred to go by Angie. But I think, at the end of the day, you have to follow Occam's razor. And the most likely scenario is Angela was abducted by Cheney and Rush. They were active in the area and proved that they had the pedigree to be serial killers. Plus, as I mentioned before, Rush confessed to another inmate that he had dumped two other bodies. Again, that is just the way that I see the case. And again, we all have our different opinions as well as perspectives on what happened to Angela Hammond. In a bizarre true crime twist, as most true crime fans know, uh, about the Springfield 3. Now, the reason I bring up this case is it happened only 90 miles uh, south of Clinton, where Angela was abducted. And a quick refresher on the case, according to the SpringfieldMissouri.gov website, Quote, on June 7th, 1992, the Springfield, Missouri Police Department was notified of the disappearance of three women from a residence in Central Springfield. The parents of Stacy McCall, one of the missing women, contacted the police department in reference to their daughter's disappearance from the home of Cheryl Levitt and Suzanne Streeter, the other two missing women. Now, upon the officer's arrival, the house bore no signs of struggle but rather the appearance of the missing women being abducted. All personal property was left behind, including purses, money, clothing, cars, keys, cigarettes, and the family dog. Stacy McCall and Suzanne Streeter had graduated from high school the day before their disappearance, and they were last seen at approximately 2.15 a.m., On June seventh, 1992, when they left a graduation party in a nearby community en route to the Levitt Streeter home. Now, Springfield is, again, 90 miles to the south. And this is one of the biggest mysteries in all of unsolved crimes, in my opinion. And, again... It appeared as though that the girls did actually arrive at the residence because their clothing and jewelry, purses, and vehicles were still at the location. Now, Suzanne's mother, Cheryl Levitt, was last heard from at approximately 11.15 p.m. on June 6, 1992, when she talked to a friend about painting a chest of drawers. Now, Levitt's car, purse, keys, etc. were also left at the residence and it appeared as though her bed had been slept in when friends and police arrived to check the residence. So, very interesting uh, scenario, because this happened, uh, you know, about a year plus after the fact that Angela had disappeared without a trace, and that's the reason why I bring this case up, is they are missing. They have never been found. There has never been any evidence of anything. So people are completely left to speculate on what happened to them. Now, there are leads that the police are following up on, and, you know, who knows? They may be connected to the case of Angela Hammond. But again, apparently there were a lot of crazy things going on in Missouri in 1991 and 1992. So let's all just... uh, be glad that it is 30 years later and crime prevention has come a long way as well as technology. Because, as I mentioned before, if this case did happen today, there would be security cameras as well as cell phone cameras and a myriad of other technological advancements that would have prevented this case from being such a mystery. So, after hearing the facts of this case. Who do you guys think killed Angela Hammond? Thank you guys again so much for joining me this week to discuss the mysterious disappearance and abduction of Angela Hammond. And I also have to thank Dan, friend of show and friend of mine for suggesting this mysterious unsolved case for this week's episode. As a reminder, I drop new episodes of Who Killed every Friday wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now anyone with information regarding Angela's murder should email Detective Parsons at the Clinton Police Department at d.parsons at Clinton dot com. Now you can also contact Detective Parsons at six six zero. and the agency case number is 910488 as well as the NCIC number is M-483974098 and they would like you to refer to this number when contacting any agency about this case. So if you enjoy this podcast as well as my other shows, you can help support independent journalism by clicking on the donate button on the left hand side of slowburnmedia.com and again that is slow minus the W now you can also contribute to the show via the Venmo app with my username at bill-huffman-3 or you can also donate via PayPal I will provide a link in the show notes and Every contribution does help keep these slow burn podcasts running. Now, you can help support the show by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts because those five stars help keep important cases such as Angela's in the spotlight. And if you guys want to stay up to date on the new cases that I have in the pipeline as well as the cases I've covered, you can follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. And again, thank you so much for listening. Till next time, please be healthy and stay safe. It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts.
1: 3 a.m., the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the matrix, cult leaders, missing 411, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship and so many monsters, it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3 a.m., the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go.